Bankless Nation, we have a bonus episode for you today because I think this uh, requires almost a midweek look at what is going on in crypto. Specifically, what is going on with DeFi, David? So much going on with the Curve Protocol. I know you are fresh back from climbing mountains, but um, I need your help. Duty, with this. duty calls. <laughs> yes, I need your help to understand what happened. Uh, can you give us the TLDR of what we're going to cover in today's episode? Yeah, so there has been a series of events, which have all one has led to another. There is a coding language called Viper, which is a an alternative to Solidity. So it is a an Ethereum coding language that had a, an exploit in the actual coding language that affected a certain number of DeFi protocols across Ethereum, especially and most importantly, Curve. Uh, Curve, which is a systemic, I would call it a systemically important DeFi protocol, has had some very important uh, pools, Curve pools drained. Uh, and that has led and put pressure on the CRV token specifically because the founder of Curve, Michael, uh, has put up a bunch of CRV tokens as collateral across DeFi. So just, just to recap, <laughs> a coding language had an exploit in it which led to Curve liquidations. And because the founder of Curve had so much CRV tokens as collateral across lending protocols, we are potentially on the cusp of a liquidation, of uh, cascading liquidations uh, of the CRV token across DeFi, which might put holes into the balance sheets of many of these DeFi lending protocols. Did, did you catch that? I did. And I'm so glad we, we, we called David down from the mountains in order to, uh, to help us with this episode, David. I'm so glad you're back. I, I think what we're trying to do in today's episode is just unpack this story uh -huh. and let, let folks know as well that it's still developing. So yes. we'll have more things to talk about, but, but really in bankless fashion, we want to talk about like what just happened in the events mm -hmm. in order to like learn from this, mm -hmm. in order to level up on crypto. So we're going to discuss what happened, what's currently at risk right now. You might be wondering are my assets safe? Is this a systemic issue for all of DeFi? How scared should I be? And then finally, what we can learn. I think that's the that's the flow of this episode. David, you want to say anything else before we get ready to get in here? Yeah, just a, a few more bits about Curve and why it's so important. I would say Curve is kind of a yin to a yang of Uniswap, perhaps, um, but it's specifically meant for trading like kind assets. So stable coins trade with stable coins, ether trades with other versions of synthetic ether. Uh, and so like staked ether trades with rocket pool ether or alchemix ether, which is one of the pools drains uh, is traded with, uh, you know, ether. So like kind assets is what curve is really meant for. And it's got, got just a huge, huge amount of DeFi built on top of it. TVL in curve, total value locked in curve was 3.2 trillion up to the point of wait the billion exploit. billion uh, billion excuse me billion trillions different number <laughs> well, one day. cycle we'll one do that yeah. <laughs> 3.2 billion down to 1.7 billion so it takes yeah. like a 30% haircut in the TVL part of that is because the hacker uh stole money but really most of it is that people kind of flee from from this and so we'll probably watch some of that uh TVL return uh but the the total sum of uh, all of the assets uh, stolen by this exploiter, by this exploit is about seventy million dollars, but twenty-ish million dollars of the uh, stolen money was taken back by a white hat MEV bots, which is another very interesting part of this story. Uh, so the hacker has gotten his uh, stolen assets stolen from them, and some white hat MEV bots have returned some capital to some pools. So we have to unpack that as well. Uh, and so uh, this is going to be uh, there's a number of different rabbit holes to go down around this this particular topic. And we're going to try and uh, take our time to point towards each individual one. Yeah, there's there's so much to talk about. And yes, what you need to know at the outset of this is Curve is a very important protocol in all of DeFi, I would say systemically important. And it has certainly got a bullet wound uh, here. So we're going to explore all of that. Guys, we'll be right back with the episode to walk you through everything that happened, what this means moving forward, and uh, to answer the question, is DeFi safe? Are we going to make it? Uh, but before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible, including Kraken, which is the absolute best way 
to onboard into crypto, go create an account. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Introducing Polygon 2.0, the value layer for the internet. For too long, the limitations of blockchains have held back app development and stifled user adoption. The internet allows anyone to create and exchange information. What's missing is a value layer that lets anyone exchange, store, and program value. That's where Polygon 2.0 comes in. Polygon Labs has unveiled a series of innovations that will radically alter the Polygon ecosystem and Web3 as a whole. By leveraging groundbreaking ZK innovations, such as Polygon ZK EVM, the next iteration of the best class Plonky 2 proving system and a first of its kind ZK powered interoperability layer, Polygon 2.0 will give users and devs unlimited scalability and unified liquidity. Right now, there is a Polygon improvement proposal regarding a potential ZK powered upgrade of Polygon proof of stake. If approved, Polygon proof of stake would become a layer 2 ZK EVM Validium. So make your voice heard on this proposal by joining the Polygon Discord today. You have a chance to help the Polygon community give the internet the value layer it deserves. Are you planning to launch a token? Is your token already live? And are you granting your employees and contractors vesting token awards? And are you trying to figure out how to take care of taxable events for your team? Toku makes implementing a global token incentive award simple. With Toku, you will get unmatched legal and tax support to grant and administer your global team's tokens. Toku will help you navigate across the life cycle of your token from easy to use pre-launch token grant award templates to managing post-cliff taxable events with payroll. For legal, finance, and HR teams, it's a huge complex task to have to comply with labor laws, payroll and tax obligations, tax reporting and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone. It's difficult, time consuming, manual and costly, and it's drawing more attention from global regulators and governments. Toku makes it simple for leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin and many more. So if you want some help navigating the complex world of token compliance, go to toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. And we're back, Bankless Nation. When you hear the words EVM compiler reveals a zero-day vulnerability, it's not a good day. No, that's not scary. That's scary. That's a very deep part of the tech stack. Uh, and so um, there's there's something that actually we need to we need to define before we move on here. There's a specific kind of vulnerability here, and this is called a re-entrancy attack. This is actually reentrancy attack is actually how the DAO hack got hacked. And so a reentrancy, uh, it's a very specific type of exploit. It's when a contract is um, checking to see the account balance of something, of someone, of some asset, but the attacker is able to actually execute something before the contracts are able to finish checking the state of something. And so it's like you are able to remove cash from the vending machine and then without before you finish the transaction you actually just keep on pressing hey withdraw my money hey withdraw my money hey withdraw my money and so you you re-enter i'm i'm doing my best as a non-dev this is really good honestly you re-enter the same like hey you owe me 15 dollars. hey you owe me 15 dollars. hey you owe me 15 dollars. and before you finish processing the transaction you just say hey withdraw my 15 dollars you know, 5,000 times, and then you finish the transaction so, and it's $15 turns into, you know, 70 million. That vending machine analogy is working for me. Like just yeah. like the, the mental imagery. So, you, you know, you press D5 or whatever, and you right. got your Snickers bar, but now you can keep hammering on that, on that but button. But before the, the Snickers... vending machine delivers you the Snickers bar, you keep on saying, give me a <laughs> Snickers bar. And then you do as Unlimited many times, times as you can. Unlimited times. Yeah. So that's a very simple, like re-entrancy attack. That's how the DAO hack got, got hacked. And sadly, because in the Viper language, the coding language that this uh, vulnerability was expressed, forgot, did not have the appropriate checks, re-entrancy re checks. So that's a very deep level of like why this is all happening to begin with. Just really quick on Viper though. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's an alternative to Solidity. It's much yes. less used compared mm -hmm. to Solidity. And so I'm not a developer, yeah. so someone yeah. come correct me, but uh, my understanding is Solidity is a bit more like JavaScript-ish. Yeah. Like, and whereas- more hardened, yeah. Viper is Python, right? So it's kind of like Python yes, derived. Right. And so it's a different language. Um, 
it was supposed to be more simple, a bit more functional, but it hasn't had a lot of adoption, but it does right. in, in some, uh, in some pockets, including, you know, in curve, uh, what we're about to talk about. Yeah. So we're looking at a tweet thread here from Bankless HQ, our, our analyst, Jack, who just did a bang up job, really just covering all of this. And so Jack. if you want to read the, the tweet thread or also the newsletter, these are also fantastic sources. You can also read the, uh, the Viper tweet broadcasting the reentrancy vulnerability in the next tweet, Ryan, um, uh, the next, next tab that you got or that one that as well. Yeah. And so Viper language, Twitter account says Viper versions 0.2, 15, 16, and three are vulnerable to malfunctioning reentrancy locks. The investigation is ongoing, but any project relying on these versions should, it should immediately reach out to us. The project, of course, in question is Curve, as we said in the beginning. And, and so I think we've we've done a pretty good job explaining what Curve is, but it is, the, to put it into a metaphor, the marketplace for like kind assets. Mm. Uh, it is the place where Tether gets turned into DAI, where DAI gets turned into USDC, where USDC gets turned into uh, uh, you know any other stable coin. Uh, and so not all curve pools were coded in Viper, only a certain number of them. And the not the curve pools that were coded in Viper have all been exploited by this one exploit. Uh, so a handful of contracts, all for uh, ETH pairs. Um, and, and so there are uh, one, two, three, four pools that got exploited. P-ETH with ETH pair, uh, MS ETH with ETH, Al ETH from Alchemix. And so this is Pindle ETH. Uh, I can't remember what MS is. It'll uh, metronome, uh, Alchemix, and then also the Curve ETH pair itself, which is the Curve DAO. Uh, and so, Pendle ETH that is uh, got drained for six thousand ether. That's eleven million dollars. Uh, Alchemix ETH got drained for one point six million of ether, and then one point eight million of uh, uh, metronome ETH. Excuse me, not an Al Alchemix metronome. Metron uh, Alchemix got drained for 7,200 oof ether, which is 13.6 million, and then 4.8 thousand ether of Alchemix ether, which is 9 million. And then the curve ETH pool, which is the source of all of this further contagion, got drained for 7,200 uh, CR, 7,200,000 7, CRV tokens, which is $5.1 million at the time of exploit. You can imagine that these curve token has gone down in price since, as well as 7,700 wrapped ether out of the curve DAO as, and, and then also 2,800 more ether. Uh, so if you sum it all together, it's about $70 million. Um, that $70 million came like from I said, uh, four different protocols, one of them being curve, uh, but it's really the source of this contagion and why this is getting up into a bigger and bigger story is that 7.2 million curve tokens that got taken out of the curve ether pool and is now in the hands of the attacker. Uh, and so that is the the recap of the assets that has been stolen out of curve. Okay, so we'll talk about sort of why this why this matters and where we are right now because mm -hmm. this does have some wider implications that that's kind of spreading to other protocols. Here we'll talk about that, but a, a quick side quest on how this actually works in practice. So my understanding, David, is that um, some MEV bots captured some of the exploited yeah. funds here in the process, right? And maybe you can kind of explain how block building works and and how this um, actually works. I was talking to some people who are um, staking in, in Rocket Pool, uh, for, for instance, some very large um, we call execution layer fees, right? Some MEV fees were, uh, <laughs> were not not donated <laughs> that's the wrong word were awarded to the rocket pool uh community right. essentially the, as a right. result the rocket of this. pool protocol processed the block that had a significant yes. number of mev bots bidding for some of the exploited funds exactly and rocket pool just happened to process the block therefore a lot of these stolen funds turned into mev and then got you know turned into rewards for rocket pool and a few others but rocket pool has like that's where kind of the conversation is because well what does rocket pool do with the funds like well and what the, does it do it, it basically spreads all of that those right. mev proceeds across all of the, the individuals um, yeah. yeah so a lot of stolen holders. funds just got sprinkled out to individual rocket pool stakers which is interesting and i yes. think a quick side quest here um well here's another one so one mev bot wasn't just Ro rocket pool this is an mev bot called um coffeebabe.eth yeah. um actually returned some of the money yep. from the mm -hmm. exploit so returned 5.4 million dollars so if you're an individual staker right and this is mm -hmm. kind of like a lottery system so it's 
bit of random chance as to whether you'll get this reward um, in kind of the execution layer reward in MEV or not. But if you just suddenly receive $5.4 million worth of ETH in ill-gotten gains, the question is, what do you do with it? Is it finders keepers, losers weepers? Did you just find like, oh, I found $20 on the floor. I mean, you can't be like, hey, does anyone, does anyone own this if, if, right. if you find that out in public? But in this case, you actually kind of know who owns right. you the, the money. It. You could trace it. So what do you do? Do you refund it? So I think it depends on the context, right? When we talk about Rocket Pool, and we're taking a very early uh, rabbit hole down this one topic before getting into the rest of the contagion event. But this, so this is definitely a side quest, but it's, this is just what happens so early in these cascade of events. Coffeebabe.eth. Uh, actually, I think I, I need to check this if this is true, Ryan, but coffee, the coffeebabe.eth front ran created an, an MEV bot after the first CRV ether ah. liquidation in the time that the, and another, uh, reentrancy attack was going to happen again. But the second time that the hacker tried to steal funds, I don't know why they're they're what they didn't just do it all from the first uh, from the first um, uh, exploit. Why, why didn't they steal 100% of it? Uh, some funds might have come in from bots. There's a bunch of ex extra questions here. There's a lot of dust to be settled. But in the time that the exploiter decided to attack the CRV ETH pool again, CoffeeBabe.eth coded up a MEV bot and front ran that second and then also third exploits. Uh, and so in that second exploit, CoffeeBabe.eth front ran the exploiter and got 2,879 ether that was drained from the curve ether pool again. Hmm. And then that is now being returned to the curve deployer address, which is um, going to be able to actually determine where the, the right uh, dest destination of that ETH goes. Uh, but that's just because this one person figured out a way to code up this MEV bot, take responsibility and control over stolen assets and stole money from a thief to return it like back to the rightful owners. But like when it goes back to like, okay, what about a decentralized system like Rocket Pool? Like these are all interesting questions as to how to actually contend with some of these th uh, things. Yeah. So I guess in this case, the Coffee Babe case, it's a bit more white hacky in that yeah. like they just white, exploited white hat, something yeah. the exploiter was exploiting. And then so they they refunded the funds. And that that to me is uh, much more, I guess, morally clear. Yeah. Um, what's less clear is the case where you have this big MEV reward and it's distributed uh, across the pool of, of, say, stakers. Right. Like, what what do you do? Do you actually. And so what, right. in what's the future with MEV burn, this would not have been able to happen. That's the thing. That's kind of the, the punchline, I think, that, that is important here because what I'm worried about, David, is I don't know if you've seen some, some Mika legislation that came down the um, bike uh, last week, but there was some Mika legislation that basically would make it illegal to um, benefit from MEV of this kind, mm -hmm. like the unethical style of MEV. And uh, I, I get worried about that when that sort of thing is settled in meat space. Because then we go down this path of, well, do all validators have to be like checked by the state, AML, KYC? Like, how does the nation state actually enforce that? Because the protocol level's not. Anyway, it's an interesting side quest, but I agree with you that the best solution here is probably MEV burn, because then at least it's credibly neutral. And we sort of socialize these proceeds all over all ETH holders. I guess, you know, we're socializing the guilt there. I mean, I, I would still put a white hat hacker ahead of that. Mm. Uh, because just because we're burning it doesn't mean we we are okay with people having their money stolen. Agreed. Um, well, so let's get back to the to the main event. So, what tweet are we yep. looking at here? Okay, so this is this is Tay, uh, Taylor Monahan, who we actually just did a Twitter space with, talking about some of the white hat hack hackers and and uh, you know just giving praise to Coffee Babe Dotty, you know, truly a babe. Um, <laughs> but but we need to get into the contagion event that is around CRV because as soon as CRV is sold first, there's not that much liquidity right now. I don't know if you notice prices, Ryan, but you know, as bullish as we are, we're still in the bear market. So liquidity is already thin. And then when the CRV ether pool of where CRV gets its liquidity gets exploited, you would imagine that liquidity goes a, a for that reason and then B because anyone else also supplying liquidity to curve token around DeFi gets scared of getting dumped on so they they withdraw their liquidity. So, so now we're at, we're at the point of the story where the, the contagion is kind of um, around viral. surrounding curve the token, right? CRV yes. the token. 
Yes, exactly. And so CRV, the token liquidity starts to drain. We accidentally see a flash crash of curve down to about 10 cents from 70 cents. And so wow. inside of a very small period of time, curve went from 70 to 10 cents and then back up to 60 cents pretty quickly, pretty quickly without liquidating curve collateral across various DeFi lending protocols. But you can see how, I mean, I remember Terra Luna. I I remember how <laughs> how and then the, the curve is not Terra Never Luna. Never forget. But you we all remember how like liquidity just drained very quickly mm -hmm. of surrounding uh surrounding these assets when it needed it the most. Hey Bankless Nation, in this section you're about to hear, I say eight percent of curve tokens. I actually meant 0.8%. I'm off by one order of magnitude. All the points still stand. It's everything is directionally correct, but 8% uh, is uh, 10 times uh, larger than the correct number, which is 0.8%. So we have spliced in this audio just to correct that for the record. And now back to the show. Uh, and so people fled for the hills and all of a sudden curve the token is in a very precarious position where it doesn't take that much sell pressure to push that price down. Now that wouldn't be bad. Like tokens are allowed to go down in price. That's a normal thing to happen. And this is what we do in DeFi. Things go up in price, things go down in price. But that's just not, it's just not where the story ends, sadly. Uh, and so the, the curve exploit, exploiter, as a result of the curve uh, uh, pool, the Ether curve pool, currently holds 8% of the circulating supply of CRV. Uh, and so that is about seven, that's 7 million curve tokens that we can see in the exploiter's wallet. That's a lot of curve. 8% of the total circulating supply is a lot of curve, especially when the hacker is capable of pressing a button and market dumping that thing. And also simultaneously liquidity providers stop providing liquidity because they don't want to be dumped on. Uh, and so all of a sudden liquidity dries up. And so this is setting up the dominoes. The dominoes are currently set up for a bad event in curve tokens. And, I, and we haven't even gotten to all of the collateralized CRV positions across DeFi, but you know, you can guess where we go next. Well, let's uh let's just park that for for one second. So this was the exploiter's wallet, the hacker's wallet as of um the 31st, so July 31st. And by the way, all of this happened, I believe, um earlier in the week. It was, you know, a bloody Sunday or bloody yeah. Monday depending mm -hmm. on your time zone, the you know, August 30th or August 31st. And so the state of the hacker's wallet at this point in time was um all of the curve tokens that you were talking about, 8% mm -hmm. of the circulating supply and also a whole lot of ether right. as well. So about 14 million dollars worth of ether what's crazy about this and i know i don't have to um, emphasize this for you know longtime crypto natives and bankless listeners but we are witnessing uh, yet again uh, a bank heist play out in real time on the internet and we get to like yeah, we get to see it unfold <laughs> step by step and i just want to pause and reflect on how crazy is that that all mm -hmm. of this is public and the on-chain sleuths can track every single transaction here, and we actually see the uh, the the address of the exploiter, and like we can see every single move that this person is is making in real time. That to me is just will never will never not be crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what's happening here. Yeah, this is this is what the blockchain provides, right? Like global eyes are all watching the same addresses and the same contracts. There is currently a game going on right now around CRV. People mm -hmm. that own CRV before, uh, you know, traders, DeFi, who, DeFi people who play the DeFi game, a lot of people are watching the current state of CRV because if it's been two days, the uh, Curve exploiter has not made a transaction in two days. But that, I mean, Curve is one button press away from basically being nuked to zero. So liquidity is currently kind of like resettling itself around. People are, there's a new equilibrium being established, but this exploiter has, you know, and they have seven, eight percent of all Curve supply token, uh, of the Curve supply. Uh, so it's a precarious position to be in. And like I said, we haven't even gotten to all the DeFi lending protocols that are out there. So let's talk about that next. And this is where sort of the, the founder of Curve kind of enters as a, as a main character here. Um, the founder, Michael, his last name uh, starts with an E. I won't pronounce, uh, pronounce yes. it correctly. Igorov. Yes. Igorov. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. that, yes. Uh, and so, so Michael owns 48% mm -hmm. of the circulating supply of Curve. So this is very heavy. Michael has very heavy Curve He bags. hasn't sold. 
yeah, hasn't sold, but I guess maybe bullish. For, maybe a four seller. <laughs> but he has been doing something with all of those curved tokens. And the thing right. that he has been doing with, again, almost 50% of the supply of this not very liquid token, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, he's been lending that out. Or sorry, excuse me. He's been borrowing against that with mm -hmm. lending and borrowing protocols. And here's a list of them here. Um, in Aave, uh, there's about 34% mm -hmm. of that. I'm not sure how much amount of curve. Um, it's, it's about, so round, the round numbers, think of about curve is about 50 cents a token right now. Okay. So, 100, so 150 million, million dollars in Ave uh, V2, about 25 million dollars in Abracadabra, wow. 20 million dollars in inverse finance, 12 and a half million dollars in inverse finance, excuse me, 20 million dollars in Fraxland. Uh, and then you know, $1.6 million in staked out and $1.2 million in silo. Like everywhere that curve is accepted as collateral, this He's guy has a margin account. <laughs> Michael, Michael, Michael. This, Michael, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Well, let's, so let's talk about that. 48% of the circulating supply is not just in the hands of Michael, the founder of Curve. It is also deposited as collateral <laughs> In lending protocols oh, everywhere. This Michael, guy is Michael. lever to the tits, dude. Well, we don't know. Well, actually, I think we know pretty conclusively because, okay, let, let's recap what, <laughs> what um, a collateralized loan actually is. I don't know, uh -huh. David, if you've ever been degen enough to actually take out a collateralized loan with a, a heavily oh, I'm, volatile I'm asset. I'm familiar with this. Behavior. Oh, you are? <laughs> so you, you've been in the situation where you're looking at a um, your liquidation number. Uh -huh for the price of something. Let's call yeah. it ether, right? Sure. And you have a lot of your ether locked in um, collateral, right? right? So that's what the, the lending protocol essentially does is you can deposit some asset, in this case it's curved, but you could deposit ether. And then what do you get in return? You get, you know, some stable coins, let's say. So maybe it's DAI, or maybe it's right. you know something else mm -hmm. in the, the Aave protocol. And what do you do with those stable coins, right? Oh, you just put that somewhere else and in treasury Any, anything bills, else, right? Yeah. It's free money, right? It's free money. You can free money. buy whatever you want. Uh, no, I mean, you don't do the responsible thing generally with these stable coins, which might be like park them in T-bills and earn an interest. Right. Or I don't right. even know if that makes right. sense. It would depend on kind of the, the amount that Yields. you're paying for it. Mm -hmm. You're probably buying something in real life. You're probably betting on other tokens. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're so bullish on ETH that you take you're, a you're, loan right. against your ETH in order to buy more ETH. I don't know if... If I'm talking to anyone in the bankless audience, I don't like, know. I don't know a single person who does this behavior. I don't know a single one. Dude, this <laughs> almost be any of my friends. <laughs> David, this almost wrecked me, like legitimately. You oh, know, yeah. you, know uh -huh. you have the reputation of being like gas, and I'm like more bricks. Yeah. Okay, old Ryan. Uh uh, man. I old I just, Ryan I, was gas. <laughs> this felt this felt very like breaksy to me. But like I had a um, a number. Oh, do you remember when Ether was above a thousand back in 2019? Sorry, back in back in 2017, 2018. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I had a number. I was like, "There's no way Ether could drop below a hundred, right?" My, Ether just hit fourteen hundred dollars. How could it ever touch a hundred dollars? Couldn't do that. Couldn't and be so, done. So you could take out a responsible loan in a um, like lending protocol that was maybe double digits, and that was right. responsible. Let me tell you, uh, the 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 crypto, day the crypto the night <laughs> Ether went down into the eighties, <laughs> your boy was almost liquidated hard that day. All right, and so like we got did the you, wait, wait, did you do it? Did you have it like a compartmentalized trading account, or was it like your main stack? You know, I'm not going to get into the details here. <laughs> <laughs> on today's episode but um yeah well, we've, we've been... got a take that talks about this from van spencer later on the show well, let's talk about that later so so anyway so uh, you've got to imagine michael here the founder is absolutely right. like sweating because sweating the value yeah. uh -huh. of his curve is going down he's got a liquidation right. uh, number right here and then yeah. also the interest rates are going up that's that's kind of the context here as right. we we talk uh, through the rest of these details yeah no that's right uh and so on ave is the big one so on ave uh, michael has 305 million curve tokens backing a 63.2 million dollar USDT loan that's tether and so the in the Ave protocol there there are liquidation parameters for any single collateral like ether gives favorable liquidation parameters because there's no like there's no smart contract risk it's very liquid uh curve doesn't have nearly as favorable parameters around 
the the liquidation thresholds inside of Ave, and so he gets a fifty five percent loan to value like margin, uh, and so three hundred five million dollars of curve backing a sixty three million dollar loan, uh, and so you know that's pretty healthy, but you only you only you only get fifty five percent of that, uh, and so that you know turns into if a curve price drops about thirty three percent, he would be liquidated. Uh, and then wow. he's also fa- paying 4% APY. And that is before Curve got exploited. Uh, and so when, uh, once all of a sudden people realize that Curve, the token, is at risk of going to zero because there is not enough liquidity in the market to absorb a market sell from the exploiter, people realize that lending, um, that lending stable coins to any of the marketplaces that has curve as collateral is mm-hmm. risky because the, all of these lending protocols might have bad debt. If curve goes to zero and all of the curve tokens get liquidated, but that's not enough to cover the hole, then all of a sudden stablecoin suppliers are left holding the bag if the protocol cannot cover the difference. And so what, what happened? What does the rational economic actor do in this scenario? Well, they stop taking the risk. They're saying like, hey, they're not, they're not going to take the four to ten percent APY in the result in when they might lose fifty percent uh, in the next like day or so. So they start withdrawing, and so what happens when a DeFi lending protocol has stable coins withdrawn from it? The utilization ratio goes up, as in more and more of a percentage of these stable coins that are lent to these protocols are actually already being borrowed, and so this is just a natural way for. Uh, these, you know, Aave money market type systems to naturally balance uh, themselves. When there's not many stable coins, there's insufficient supply of stable coins lent to the protocol and more people are borrowing them than supplying them. It just jacks up the interest rates. Uh, And so here's Delphi Digital's tweet. At 100% utilization, which is for Tether, uh, which it currently is at, all Tether, all Tether tokens, all USDT uh, supplied to Aave is being borrowed by Michael and, and others, because all the USET lenders are like, oh, no, I'm, I'm getting out. So at 100% utilization, the interest rate doubles every 12 hours. The current payment that you pay for borrowing Tether from Aave is 81%. And that can wow. increase to a maximum of 10,000% APY after just 3.5 days. So basically, you're like, Michael's got a date with Destiny. He's going to get liquidated. Uh, at this current rate, because the the interest rates are just accruing up to his point unless, of too fast. Unless there's a hope, David. Unless yeah. he can continue paying, unless he can pay kind of back. the interest and stay ahead of it, right? Keep just staying ahead right. of it as he the interest need, well, rates. He needs to pay pace. down his. He needs to sell Curve, and for Tether and pay back his loans. That's what he needs to do. That's so, hard when the price yes. is dropping, right? Yes, especially when the price is dropping. Yes. So, but this is what he did actually. So he was able to sell um, some of his loans. Uh, this tweet doesn't have it specifically. Uh, we'll get there's another tweet that we have later in this agenda. But um, he had OTCs a bunch of curve, and he paid. He gets about um, sixteen million it. dollars. Yes. Here we go. This is the tweet. Uh, so, so Sandra is an account that apparently covers OTC trades. Uh, and so here are some curve movements from Michael to other people at 17.5 million curve to an unknown address, 5 million curve sold to Justin Sun. So Justin Sun coming into bid, 4.25 million curve to DCF God, 2.5 million curve sold, 2.5 million uh, curve sold. So buyers are stepping in and buying curve. We do not know the price that they were uh, sold for. Uh, Ignis DeFi Research, who I think does a pretty good job, uh, hypothesized about four cents a token. And with the current curve price of about, I think, 55 cents, if you want to pull up CoinGecko for, for curve, that's a pretty hefty discount, 58 cents. So you can go to Curve or Uniswap or wherever CRV is, is sold right now on the market and buy a Curve token for 58 cents. Not financial uh, advice. Not financial <laughs> advice. I'm saying this is just what the market is offering. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. This is just what the market is offering you. Uh, there's speculation <laughs> that the OTC trades for a very large amount of Curve tokens, uh, he was getting about 40 cents per token. And that's just because you know if he had sold these tokens on the open market, he would have gotten probably a worse rate than that. 
So again, uh, you're, so, you're Michael. You don't want to mm -hmm. get liquidated, right, right. at mm -hmm. a very low price. So what are you trying to do? You're just trying to stay a step ahead, and you're trying right. to like ideally pay down those loans right. in order to free your money. So what are you doing? You're getting funds from other sources off-chain, basically. Right. So Justin Sun coming in with like a $3 million check and buying right. some curve tokens, OTC. That just means over-the-counter. Right. It's just like right. private Telegram group or right. something where deals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Michael's like, hey, Justin, you want to buy some curve? And he's like, what will you give me? And then Justin's like, I'll give you or you know michael's like i'll give you this rate and you know justin i'm sure has some provisions that's what's happening in order for for michael to kind of raise these funds yep that's exactly right and so uh raising about 16 million dollars uh and so remember remember he's got enough he's got an outstanding debt of 110 million dollars pledged against uh 290 million dollars of curve tokens mm -hmm. uh that's before curve went down in price so he owes $110 million and he just raised $16 million. That's not, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. Man, gotta be sweating. He needs a little bit more margin than that. Uh, ironically, okay, so this is the Van Spencer take that I was talking about earlier. Defending your liquidation price on chain is a religious experience. <laughs> Call God. Oh, Call no. God. That hits, man. That's that hits. I have wow. been there. I have yeah. done that before. That's so uh, and so this is Michael. Ironically, I, I don't mean to kick a guy when he's down, no, but no, this no. is just too good. July twenty second. How many days ago was that? Ten days ago. Still haven't. Still shocked that I haven't yet been affected by DeFi hacks. Ooh, shit. Oof. That's unfortunate, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I guess. There's an element of, uh, you know, it is it is kind of shocking, but, but you know, now it's happening. Wow, you can never yeah. count your chickens here. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this individual lives in Australia, uh, and goes. there's a there's a few Australian DeFi protocol founders who are also I don't know if they directly are, but they imply that it's kind of funny. It's a funny meme on crypto Twitter that they just have these like mansion comparison fight fight like mansion offs, if you will. Really. Michael, Yes, Michael has not one, but two mega mansions in Melbourne, Australia. Not too far away from nice our good places. friend Anthony Susano. I mean, Anthony Susano mm. does not have a mansion um, <laughs> that, that I know of, not the one I've been invited to. Uh, he bought, this is actually the, this picture, these two pictures that we're seeing at, this is actually the same mansion from different angles. I don't know where the other one is. Um, this one he bought for $40 million. This is for the bankless listeners who are not watching the YouTube, an insane house. An insane property. We're looking three. It's nice. three, it's, it's kind of nice. Yeah, we're looking at three stories. It's got to be like uh, it could be like a ten bedroom kind of thing. There's a pool. There's like a guard. It's it's that is a mansion and a half. Let me just say, we don't know the particular circumstances for Michael. He could have been like made his investment money elsewhere. He could have like um, bought Bitcoin, you know, back in 2010. The proceeds, but one has to wonder. If some of the stable coins that he withdrew borrowed borrowed against his curve went mm -hmm. to fund in real life things, well, right? Ryan, he bought this house two months ago, and he currently hey. borrowed hey. 110 million dollars to buy a 40 million dollar mansion. I don't know if it was directly I put up money inside of Ave, I withdraw a stable coin, send it to my bank account, and buy a house with that money. I don't know if it's that clear, but. When you buy a $40 million house with $150 million of stable coins borrowed, that factors into your decision making at some point in time. I think so as well. At least I can say that it factored into my decision making. And again, like not knowing um, you know, Michael's particular situation, it's impossible to 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 fully weigh in on it. Mm -hmm. But um why why would someone do this? Right? Like one reason to do this is you don't have to sell your curve tokens. There might not right. be liquidity if he owns 50% of the curve market, right? And if you were to just like sell even 5% of that, it's going to tank price for a while, right? So why sell your curve token? If you're bullish on the project, you're, you're kind of the founder, when you can uh, lend it essentially in a protocol and you have a liquidation price, so you know kind of the, the, you know, the minimum amount you'll make from it. That's one reason you, you might want to do that rather than just kind of market sell in order to buy your in real life stuff or like, you know, get, get some money out of the system. The other reason you might do it is to avoid capital gains taxes right. is what um, wealthy people like have been doing for 
all the time yeah. rather than sell your actual asset you just get a loan borrow against that asset. asset borrow against that asset you don't have a capital gains um, tax event and then you can go do whatever you want with um, the proceeds that might be another reason impossible to speculate but one thing i will say at this point in time is the lesson is you guys ready for it don't use leverage all right like this uh, is a yeah. very bad position to be in i don't you know like it, it seems very clear that michael does not have the liquid cash in order to pay down his loans or else he would i'm sure he's sweating this could happen to you bankless listener if you kind of play these games with volatile assets so um that is one lesson certainly we can take away from this but there are definitely other lessons here. Wait, the on the whole leverage piece like yeah leverage is a tool it requires like you really need to be thoughtful and intentful with when you use it and why you're using it. The, the mistake like to not like leverage is a tool. So like, can you use leverage? Of course you can. When you use leverage with your entire stack, you don't give yourself any margin for error because you have no more bullets left. Uh, and so when you use all your money and then you leverage all your money, you got nothing, you have, you have no tolerance. And so the thing that Michael did not account for when he was making his economic decisions, like granted, like he didn't, he didn't account for curve getting exploited. He didn't account for a reentrancy hack and Viper. And that's why we're here today. But I mean, he didn't have any margin for error for any sort of event like this whatsoever because he leveraged up his entire stuff. I mean, I will say some have made the point that this could have been intentional and that there's like a, um, uh, there's like a perverse incentive going mm. on here too. Because what you can do in a way is, is if you are a, um, you have a large, uh, you know, amount of some particular token, you get a loan against it. You sort of set your sell price as kind of a liquidation price, basically. Um, and it, you know, if you kind of go under, there's an element of you can socialize your losses to that that protocol. So, like some uh, have pointed out that this is actually a um, incentive mismatch at play, where like, hey, you know. Um, should should someone be able to to kind of do this in this type of uh, scenario? There's like a, a founder could just rather than sell their tokens, take out a loan against it, and then who's the bag holder at the end of the day? Well, we'll get to that later. But maybe some of these protocols, maybe Ave gets a haircut, and so it's Ave uh, token holders, or you know, rather than Michael in this case. I see a little bit of that, but um, at the at the same time, that is what the protocol is supposed to do. That's what if you're a lending and borrowing protocol, you're supposed to manage risk appropriate in these types of scenarios mm -hmm. so okay so moving on in the story one of the things that's going on right now is that all of these lending protocols are realizing that they are in a precarious position for exactly what you said right if curve gets market sold then all of these lending protocols has have bad debt and so what the what are these lending protocols doing well frax ave they're all naturally increasing the interest rates at which they are charging michael uh, and so uh, interest rates are going up. An another interesting thing about this story, Ryan, is that Ave not too long ago had a governance proposal submitted from Gauntlet. And Gauntlet does exactly this kind of thing. It does economic modeling on chain. So it, it tells you about like potential black swan risk events due to the parameters of liquidity for particular assets. Just in June 18th of this year, not too long ago, Gauntlet said, they, hey, Ave needs to free CRV and uh, in jack up the risk parameters uh, around CRV because the on-chain liquidity does not bode well for any sort of, it's a precarious position. And Gauntlet identified this too a month risky. ago. It's too risky, exactly, yeah. Uh, and this was actually struck down 100% uh, to zero uh, <laughs> by Aave governance. Wow. Uh, and so Gauntlet said, hey, just, like, uh, just you know, not even 12 days ago, 12, 20, 14 days ago, two weeks ago, Gauntlet was like, hey, like the this curve, these curve parameters are all whack. They need to be fixed. We need to shut down this market. And Ave was like, Ave governance was like, nah. And um, it was because there's a single they say this, the motivation, uh, looking at the risk profile of this address. I assume this is Michael's address. Yeah, this probably. one account has borrowed roughly $63 million. Oh, yeah, that's my 190 million of CRV. We recommend yep. uh yeah, to one, freeze CRV collateral and um they, they basically rec oh they're recommending to freeze crv collateral and set the curve ltv to zero is what they recommended back then that's uh, interesting okay so the, actually so i'm just learning this right now in this post gauntlet says as of june 13th 
this account, Michael, six, has borrowed 63 Tether, uh, mm -hmm. million dollars of Tether against 190. So I didn't realize how recent this was. But again, of course, recently, just a few months ago, uh, he bought the house. Uh, and so, and then the Viper exploit happens. Wow. Right. Wow. Well, th this is what the, um, this is why it's kind of hard to govern lending and borrowing protocols, isn't it? This is kind of the squishy role where you have to like assess the risk of a particular asset before you let it into the lending and borrowing protocol and set kind of your threshold for how much can be um, borrowed against it and how much you're willing to lend. Right. And that's what's happening on these, these governance forms. Cause if you get it wrong, what's the cost? Mm -hmm. Well, your protocol, your token has to essentially absorb that somehow. Right. Um, you know, if you have kind of a, a you know, insurance type of a side pocket, so you're the one, uh, getting a haircut from, from that. So it's interesting that this was, um, updated so close to, uh, to the event. Um, I'm sure people would wish they could like change their vote. Um, but, a little bit late now. All right, so there's a few more topics that we have coming up in the rest of the show. We, we have this protocol game of chicken that we need to talk about. Ryan and I are going to unpack what's really at risk here, like what happens, like in theory, what would happen if this, there is a cascading liquidation event? What happens if Michael does get liquidated? Uh, what happens to that? Is there a systemic risk in DeFi? And then we got some takes in what we are going to be able to pull out as learning lessons from this event. So all that is coming up right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask and MetaMask's brand new feature, MetaMask Portfolio, which can give you the lay of the land for all of your collateralized positions <laughs> that maybe you should keep a better eye on as we go into this bull market. Let's go hear from MetaMask right now. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio, though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io slash portfolio. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed onto Arbitrum 1 with a flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystem. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. Arbitrum empowers you to explore and build without compromise. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app on Arbitrum. One of the big parallels, Ryan, that I think I remember after covering the Three Arrows Capital liquidation was that a very low number of people can actually be the reason of systemic contagion in crypto. Remember mm -hmm. when, when 3Rs Capital was getting liquidated, they were doing whatever they can, pulling out all the stops to borrow as much money from different corners of the crypto ecosystem as possible. And that's how like Voyager, BlockFi, uh, you know, any lender that would lend money to 3Rs Capital all got effed because 3Rs Capital was the contagion. And so I actually see a similar pattern. That's one of the big learning lessons between that and this is Michael put 
curve in every single place in DeFi that would allow him to collateralize curve. Mm -hmm. And so now all this, this is how the contagion happened. One single actor actually spread out all of the contagion. And because of the weakness in the curve, all of a sudden, this is how contagion works. Uh, Ave, for example, where the biggest loan position is, actually does have an insurance fund. Uh, and so they have the safety module, which grows and grows and grows from fees collected by the Ave uh, DAO. Uh, so there's $327 million in the Ave safety module, which is actually more than enough to pay for any sort of hole that Michael may leave in Ave. Mm -hmm. There's one problem here, which is that that safety module, $327 million, is actually denominated in Aave. And so there's a little bit of reflexivity there. Yes. Uh, and so if Aave, I think Aave would, if the, the worst case scenario, they would have to cover like $80 million or $60 million uh, of of curve in Aave. And so like if they, they were going to have to sell Aave into the market and to cover that loss, which means that the actual size of that safety module is also precarious because it's denominated in its own token. Yeah. But that's one of these, another one. That's of these the token holes. holder haircut that we're talking that's about. That's the token holder haircut. Yeah. That, that sale is going to affect the price of uh, Aave if it yeah. happens. Same exact mechanism as when MKR has to get sold to cover for die, bad die debt, which actually only happened once, uh, which was Black Thursday, right? During COVID. Uh, when you were getting the I remember that. Getting, How much yeah, was right? that? That was a, just a few um, million. It wasn't that much. At the it time. was, like, yeah, 12 million. I think it was, yeah. but 12 million back then was actually a decent number of oh, amount of money because we were all super broke. Um, <laughs> uh, and all of crypto was broke. But yeah, that's the kind of the, the precarious nature of like using your protocol's own token as the defense, as the line of defense. I think that's like, very precarious. Like that's yeah. systemically, um, yeah, that's a great point here. But yeah. it, at least they have a At least they've got it, yes. Um, I alluded to this earlier, but I'll double down on it now. Uh, because Michael had a curve all over lending protocols. Different lending protocols are all realizing that they need to get paid back first or else they might not get paid back at all. Uh, and so uh, Michael rush to repay the loan on Fraxland first because that's where the borrowing rates were highest. Uh, and so now naturally all the other protocols with curve collateral also want to increase uh, the borrowing rates because they're like, I mean, this is, this has happened to, they don't want to be, they don't want to be, they don't hold the bag. Yeah. So they're like, it's Hey, we need to jack up the rate. So Michael pays us back first. And so there's this like protocol game of chicken going around because no protocol wants to be holding the bag. Uh, and so who are these protocols? We talked about them earlier, but Magic Internet Money, MIM, uh, Inverse Finance, Silo DAO, and Aave are all these different protocols that are all figuring out how to deal with this problem. Silo DAO has, for some reason, is chill, um, says Ignis uh, from DeFi Research. Uh, DeFi Research is just what he does. Uh, because the risk is isolated, that must be a specific design for, an a, for a money market. Um, but each one of these protocol DAOs are like figuring out like, Hey, we, we don't want to hold the bag. Let's jack up the interest rates. Well, that's a real like Moloch trap pr Big Moloch dilemma trap. because Big like trap. we would all be better off. Like if everyone just put the interest rates to zero. Like honestly, at this point, like we're rooting for Michael. Like all of DeFi wants him not to get liquidated or it, it causes bad things at this point right. in time. So rooting yeah. for his positions anyway. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, you know, but what happens is when you have this kind of prisoner dilemma, the scheme of chicken, then you're incented to kind of defect first. Yep. And the you know the faster they defect and the more they raise interest rates, the more likely it is that Michael gets liquidated. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of, it's kind of a bad race condition uh, that's <laughs> happening right now. Yeah. So that's what's currently going on with with the AMMs. Um, what else is there to talk about? Uh, it's systemic risk to DeFi. Is there systemic risk to DeFi? I don't think so. I don't think these holes are that big where like I have, I currently have an Aave position. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not curve denominated uh, and I'm not lending stables into Aave. Uh, I'm not necessarily too worried. I don't really think, I don't f feel like I'm at risk. Um, I do hold Aave tokens, but I mean, I've hold them down to lower numbers than what they might go to. So I'm not particularly worried about that either. Uh, I don't think there's that much contagion I'm, I, but but there's a big fog of war here. I agree. I mean, the thing affected right now, the contagion seems to be primarily focused on the CRV token itself and then everything yes. affected. And so yes. there's a question of like, um, well, you know, the contagion is kind of spread to these lending and borrowing protocols, uh, mm -hmm. essentially. And it's not going to be existential probably for any of them, but, yeah. it, but it is a haircut, but right? right. it's like some pain. And, you know, the question is, well, 
um, well, they look at these governance protocol, like these governance proposals um, a bit more carefully when they're from Gauntlet or something. And there's like one single, you know, holder with a very large uh, portion of the, of the, of the lent amount. I think the answer is yes. And that, that is how we all level up together. But I don't, I agree with you, David. I don't think that at this point in time, this um, spreads systemically across all of DeFi. Um, so that is good because the reality is this could have been a lot worse, right? Yes. Zero day Viper EVM bug, right? Yeah. Again, you said at the very beginning that those are, those are words you do not want to hear. <laughs> uh, and so we are like, we are hashtag blessed that this wasn't a like far worse event at this point in time. Well, not knock on wood because it's not over. I just okay. sent you a a tweet in the Zoom chat if you want to pull that up from Delphi oh, Digital. Okay. Uh, so this is the current as of about twenty four hours ago. Yeah, twenty four hours ago. This is the current uh, positions that um, Michael has. So Ave Fraxen Abracadabra. $54 million owed, $8 million owed, $14 million owed uh, with all the different collaterals and different liquidation prices. He's currently paying, he might have already paid off the frax. He's currently paying 124% APY mm. on $8 million borrowed from frax. He's currently paying 50% APY on $54 million borrowed from Ave, and then 18% on $14 million borrowed from Abracadabra. Liquidation price. The highest one is at Ave, which is also the biggest position at 37 cents. So that is the line that curve must stay above in order to prevent any sort of cascading liquidation. Uh, Unless Michael can somehow raise more, cap more to capital, raise more capital yeah. off chain and pay down the, yeah. um, those loans. But th 37 cents is the number to stay above. What's what's the current price of curve? You want to open up that Let's coin gecko? Current price of curve, 58 cents. So he has room he's paying yes, a lot he's paying a lot yes, the chart doesn't look great but 58 cents to 38 cents that's there's, there's room a chance there. for sure he I can mean, make it this is like a if he makes it he can make it wow <laughs> but like this is like watching a slow motion train wreck that that actually might not happen yeah. like it's just like it looks like it's about to happen but it might, it might not, not happen. It might not might happen. be able to um, bail this out. Uh, Rune Christensen had a take here. Curve getting yeah. exploited, risk of bad debt and liquidations in the ecosystem. This might seem like it's an over moment, but perhaps it's just cycles. Uh, this cycle's Black Thursday. That's the one you were referring to. Um, Rune, Rune would know a thing or two. <laughs> you see, he calls this maybe the last crash before the bull market with everything coming back 100x stronger. Uh, yeah, well, there's an I, element to that. I, maybe I think that's right. I think that could be. I like I to pattern match history. I love. I love that. I, pattern I like matching. bull markets. Yeah, and this is this guy would know a thing or two about because Rune, he's the founder of MakerDAO. He was definitely paying attention when uh, MakerDAO had its Black Thursday. Now we're having Black Sunday, Monday. Well, yeah. so let's talk about this. Let's end the episode here, David. With uh, what do you think we 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 learned from all of this? Um, mm -hmm. What's what's your take on the lessons here? The biggest thing that's rattling around in my brain is, man, Curve had a lot of Lindy. That protocol was deemed safe. What do you mean, Lindy? Lindy? Um, Lindy is... How would you explain Lindy very simply? I always like to use the example. What do you think is going to be around... What, what would you make a bet on in being around in a lar longer amount of time? The pyramids of Egypt or the White House? It's clearly Egypt, right? Yeah, because the White House is like a couple, it's like 100 years old. In fact, the first White House burned down, and so it's Lindy got reset very quickly. <laughs> uh, fun fact is we're on the second White House already. Pyramids of Egypt have been around for thousands of years. So like, what are you going to bet on to be around for another thousands of years? The thing that's already been around for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. Curve had a lot of Lindy. It had a lot of TVL for a very long amount of time, and then it got hacked. I think this might set the record as like the longest Lindy resetting event in DeFi's history. I think that's probably correct. It's and also, that hurts. But you know what's also interesting here is like it also wasn't Curve's fault at all. Yeah, it wasn't I think Curve's there's, fault. Yeah. I think there's a lesson here. And that lesson is almost like scary. So this wasn't like a yeah. smart contract risk where uh, Michael right. and the Curve team, the developers over there could have been more careful, wish they had right. audited more, that sort of thing. Right. This was deeper in the stack. Yeah, that's as right? deep as it goes. This is a problem at the kind of EVM compiler level with a Viper specifically a couple of versions of viper right mm -hmm. it was like introduced at one point in time and then and then it kind of like it you know it was no longer the case in the newest versions of, of viper it was like you know, accidentally introduced 
that in itself is kind of scary. So we might say that um, Solidity has a stronger Lindy than Viper because it's an older language, and it also has more um, assets that are dependent on it's more vetted, right? And so I think there's a lesson here of, um, well, again, what do we always say at the end of every bankless podcast? Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in. Like yeah. the lesson is you never know. But then there's also a question of what other zero-day bugs lurk in the code base out here. Right. And I do think that, you know, Solidity, EVM is becoming a bit more like Egypt, you know, pyramids. And I wonder and worry about some of the newer languages and other ecosystems. At some point in time, something like Solana is going to have its Viper Its uh, compiler moment. moment, yeah. Yeah, and Viper, Viper itself, which is interesting. What's the future of Viper? Who's going to use it moving forward? Right, um, yeah. So there's there's that kind of learning here. It, the last thing I'll say is, um, is this an example, do you think, of like, okay, so Viper is a public good, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, I, I guess I feel like all of the, all many of the actors uh, who have some responsibility for this, you know, are kind of like feeling, feeling the brunt of this. So in that way, DeFi is kind of performing as expected. It's not like socializing the losses to, you know, the, you know, the public, right? So if you, if you're in Aave and you chose to lend more money to Curve, kind of knowing the risks here, well, then you get a haircut. That's as it should be, right? Um, if you are Michael and you're like lending all of the CRV inside of a protocol and taking excessive leverage, well, you, you get hit too. And so you're kind of, you know, I, I guess punished for this. And of course, Curve is, uh, as with all DeFi protocols, appropriately risky. So from my perspective, it kind of, per DeFi is performing um, as expected, except that there's this one thing, this public good that we call Viper, an EVM language. How well funded is that? Right. Right. It's like the public infrastructure that we're really not paying attention to. And so I, there's probably other places like this inside of crypto that are woefully underfunded, but should be funded far better and should be audited and should be vetted far better because like that's Atlas's shoulders that the entire thing is, is, is kind of hanging on. So that's another takeaway yeah. to me. Yeah. And this is something that you can audit, you can vet, you can audit again, you can audit again. You'll never know. You'll never actually know. You're muted. Is there anything comforting here as we end? Silver lining is cheap. I mean, we uh, made it, right? That's good. We made it, did we? We did. We made it. I mean, imagine if this had been a solidity like EVM issue. Yeah, what right. What happens then? Yeah, what what doesn't kill DeFi does make it stronger. Yeah. I guess that's I, a takeaway. Yeah. And and all of the protocols performed as expected according to the rules. We didn't socialize mm -hmm. losses. There were no bailouts. I don't know. Maybe there's a silver lining there, David. I think I'm going to take a few moments to try and think of some more silver linings, but we'll do, <laughs> we'll do it on the weekly roll-up tomorrow. <laughs> Guys, that's it. we got to end with this. I think quite appropriately, risks and disclaimers, crypto is risky so is DeFi. you could lose what you put in but we are headed west this is definitely the frontier it's not for everyone but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey thanks a lot